Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of SB Nation's The Dream Shakes, The Dream Tech Podcast. My name is Mike Brown. I should be joined by Mr. Jeremy Brenner here in just a couple uh, minutes. Very exciting uh, time for Red Nation and all of Houston Rockets fans from across the globe. Uh, as we are less than three weeks away from our, excuse me, I believe it's three weeks from tonight, the NBA draft. Yeah, three weeks from tonight, we will be talking all things NBA draft. But between now and then, we have a nine-part series that we will be putting together, uh, Jeremy and I together, Jeremy separately, I separately on our shows. Um, but we'll talk about that schedule at the end of the show. But tonight we are going to break down three to five uh, prospects via each show. Uh, and we do bring Jeremy Brenner here up on stage. What's up, man? It's good, boss. Happy, hey, man. happy finals day. <sighs> happy Thank you. start of draft season for us. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting for the Rockets because – you know, with the pick like 17, they can do so much with it. And I think that's that's kind of where our talk is going to be more in these next three weeks is more about that pick. Because I do feel like number three is just waiting to happen. Like we, we kind of know what it is and we did cover it earlier this week on our last episode with uh, with Rich Damon. So go ahead, watch, listen to that one. We talk a lot about Paolo on that podcast. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, backdoor scenarios, like if they were to take Jaden Ivey, if they were to take, uh, you know, if they were to trade back, something like that. But all signs are pointing to Paolo for number three. But the 17th pick, it's anyone's guess. So we're going to try to cover as many guys as possible uh, to see if we could maybe strike one and put, put them on the Rockets three weeks' time. Yeah, so I think um, you bring up a great point. I think we also should be discussing the, you know, the potential of them, you know, pulling a move like they did last year, getting three guys in the first round uh, or trading up early into the second round. So that's what we want to do. Uh, the shows like tonight are those types of guys, guys that they could target maybe at 17. I think the guys we're going to talk about tonight are a little rich at 17, uh, but they're prospects that I think we should take a look at uh, for late first round, early second round. Um, so without further ado, uh, let's get into our first guy. Uh, I want to talk Jake La Ravia out of Wake Forest. Um, so this is a guy, he's 6'8", 225 pounds. The way he played at Wake Forest, he was listed as a small forward slash power forward. To me, 
La Raviata. Oh, God, that's going to be just terrible to pronounce the rest of the I'm going to look up the pronunciation because I was thinking the same thing as well. La, La Ravia? La Ravia? I, would, I, I was thinking La Ravia, but uh, like. La Ravia? Yeah. I want to make sure I'm getting it right, too. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, La Ravia, I think, is what we're going to go with. Um, 6'8 out of uh, Wake Forest. Uh, he measured in at 6'8, 225 pounds. Um, had some good numbers this past year at Wake Forest. Uh, there was some talk about him going back to school. Uh, by the way, I'm a little upset that you haven't uh, congratulated me on Marcus Sasser uh, coming back to the University of Houston. Uh, but I guess we can talk about that at a different time. Oh, congrats. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> but La Ravia is going uh, into the draft. What are your initial thoughts on him? You know, yeah, he he is not necessarily a player you would take at number 17, but given that he played uh given that he's a junior, so he's he's got some uh he's got college basketball experience underneath him and there was, you know, there was a lot of talk as to whether he was going to go uh back to school or stay in the draft and I think it took until uh the very last like I, I think it took until a couple days ago for him to fully commit to the draft, which tells me that he's gotten good feedback. I've seen him kind of uh, along mock drafts and such. He's kind of been floating around late first, early second. And look at 17, the Rockets have a lot of moving parts here. They can trade back into that range. They could trade into it and buy a pick or they could stay where they are. And I think when it comes to LaRavia, he is he is like a big wing. And that's something that I think the Rockets have lacked, per se. I don't know how LaRavia would do on a roster with K.J. Martin on it. it there's it, – it really – like that's what's so hard about evaluating these prospects, Mike, is that you really – are like, okay, is this guy better than who we currently have? And and most of the time, honestly, I'd say no. And because the Rockets have so many good things going for them that they can't necessarily just abandon yet, right? Like they can't exactly abandon KJ Martin and his progress. They can't abandon Usman Garuba and his progress, even if they try. Uh, you know, Shangun. You know, there, there's so many guys, especially, especially at like a forward spot, like a three-four, that could make moves. And then you look into the idea that Paolo Banquero is probably coming. So it's like you, the guy that you have to take here at number seventeen or wherever they go, he just has to be a go get the best player available. And see where it goes. And honestly, Laravia might be one of those best players available. I think he could be a rotation man if in the right situation next year. I just don't know if that's in Houston. He shot 38% from three last year. Uh, He's got a great great three ball, great size for for his position, uh, can play multiple positions. And Kevin Durant said something on Twitter a couple couple weeks ago, and he was – he was responding to a fan who asked, like, you know, what makes a good player? Or like, who's your top 10 or something like that? And Durant was like, I don't do top 10s. Uh, he, you know, Kevin Durant likes to do his own thing, I guess. 
Um, but also, he thinks it's counterproductive to the game, which I can also understand, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about Jake LaRavia. Um, what I will say, though, is he does check off a lot of those boxes and what you want to see in a player that you're going to take in that isn't at the top of the draft, right? You're looking for a guy that, you know, has just a lot of upside and you don't know exactly where you can put him. But if you offer yourself up to say, hey, I can play the three, I can play the four, maybe in some lineups I can play the five, I can defend multiple positions as well. Those are the kind of guys that are getting chances in the NBA today. So LaRavia checks all those boxes, and I think that's the feedback that he got from NBA teams as he was working out for them, and it's why he's staying in the draft. He reminds me a lot of Josh McRoberts. Remember Josh McRoberts? Yes, but I I wouldn't say that's like a huge compliment. No, I mean, look, man. I mean, Josh McRoberts played 10 years in the league. Um, you know, he was... You know a, what? Hey, I, I'll t- I take that back. Yeah, he was... Well, I mean, it's a, he's a career 35%, you know, three-point shooter. I like LaRavia. Josh McRoberts would have done a lot better in this era of the NBA, I feel. Oh, 100%. Uh, LaRavia, think Josh McRoberts, potentially David Lee as well comes to mind when I, when I watch LaRavia play, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything that jumps off the screen at me. He's just going to be a really, like you said, he's going to be a really good role guy. I will say this, and I know this is the first prospect we're talking about in our nine part series. Um, if they took LaRavia at 17, I would be really let down. He's no, he's definitely not a player you take at seven. He's a guy, though, that if he was there in the early part of the second round and the Rockets could, you know, a lot of teams, they buy those second-round picks. I wouldn't hate LaRavia if he was a, you know, the type of guy that you bring in. I do think he gives you legitimate size on the wing that you do not have right now. Not yes, necessarily that, athleticism, one, but size. That's like, that's like the one big upside that he has. And, of course, you want to – look into those types of players but at the same time like if he does come to Houston I kind of hope I kind of hope he doesn't for his sake and, and I hate saying that as a Rockets fan but I don't think that he would get the most amount of playing time that he could get in Houston than he would somewhere sure sure no that's fair um so moving on to our second prospect of the night this is a guy that I'm really really high on I've seen him I've seen him mocked as high as 19, as low as 35, 36. I don't think this guy's getting out of the first round. Kennedy Chandler, point guard from Tennessee. I think this kid's going to be a stud. There's been a lot of discourse on on, uh, Kennedy Chandler and where he's going to end up in the draft. And honestly, Mike, I think he's going to lean more towards that 35 than he is at that 19. I think that he is interesting. You know, it, it's so hard for players like Kennedy Chandler to to make it. You know who he reminds me of, honestly? He reminds mm-hmm. me of Sharif Cooper and in, in not necessarily in his game, but more so in the archetype yep. that he plays in this draft class. Like Sharif Cooper was the guy that like people were shocked that he wasn't a first round pick. And then in the thirties, he wasn't even drafted in the thirty. I think it finally, you know, I think he was what forty. I think he was at forty five or forty nine in the last draft. I'm looking it up right now. Forty eight, excuse me. So he was the forty eighth pick in his class. He was a five star recruit coming out of school, 
he played for Auburn, you know, a high profile Auburn, uh, you know, was a one and done. He was expected to be like a high pick coming out of high school. He's McDonald's all American, everything. And it just didn't materialize for him for whatever reason. And, you know, in Atlanta, I think he's in a decent spot, but you know, he, he's only going to be like, you know, at, at best, like at Anthony Simons, he plays second fiddle to, you know, whoever's there for me, Kennedy Chandler, there is talent there. I just don't know where he would fit with the rocket. Oh, I, I can tell you exactly where he would fit. He's a pass first point guard um, that look, I, I think he's going to need time. I, I think he's going to need a season or two, but if you're Kennedy Chandler, I don't think you could choose much better of a spot that's willing to be patient with your progress than the Rockets. The Rockets don't have anything to play for this year. Of significant, oh, there's a lot of teams. of significant. If I'm Kennedy Chandler, there's a lot of teams I'd rather play for than the Rockets. No, but I, okay. What I should say is a team that's willing to wait out your progress and will give you a legitimate shot at minutes. Kennedy Chandler could be a starting point guard for the Rockets this season. No, depending no. on what happens, depending on what happens with Kevin Porter Jr., the contract situation. I'm just saying, I could envision a route. Do I think it happens? No, but I think the possibility is there. If I'm Kennedy, I don't think the Rockets. I don't think the Rockets are drafting a point guard this year. I'd be shocked okay. if they did. Interesting, because okay. I, honestly, I think that's the position the Rockets need the least. Of any of any position, any archetype, Ooh. anything like that, point guard is maybe the last Ooh. position I would go out and get if I'm the Rockets. Okay, because I mean, it's you, fair. Look, I mean, look, you have look Jalen Green. You want the ball in his hands as much as possible, right? Then you have Kevin Porter right. Jr. Who you are moving into this, you know, point guard role, and that he he saw a lot of progress, especially towards the end of last season. Then you add Josh Christopher into the mix. And Josh Christopher played so well that they've he's kind of forced his way into, into this um, team. And, you know, that's what I honestly hope for with this second first-round pick is whoever it ends up being. Like, because we're looking at, like, the – we're looking at the potential rotation for next season. And it's not looking great for whoever the second uh, – second pick is there's just too many guys that they have already you know basically need to play and it's not looking good for a 17th overall pick but you also have to add i really think that the rockets are high on nation knicks we saw that i think jonathan fagan said it on the clutch fans podcast a couple weeks ago he was saying how the team basically views nation knicks as a lottery pick and so when I heard that, that told me there's no way the Rockets will take Kennedy Chandler because that's then you've got three or four guys. He'd be fourth possibly in terms of who would get that point guard spot. And at this point, it's just you don't need a guy like that. Maybe maybe next year when Eric Gordon leaves and and you have a little bit more space in that backcourt to work with. But they like the the backcourt of the future is Kevin Porter. Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, Dacia Nix. And I think that they are at least going to ride with that going into this season. Next season, you make another evaluation. But I think the, all, those four guys have all one thing in common. You know what that one thing in common is, Mike? 
Uh, well, you didn't name one real they're, point they're guard. They're all going to get better. They're all going to get better. And look, Mike, you, you need you need multiple guards. Like, you know, Steph Curry isn't a traditional point guard himself. But you look at how the Warriors are built, right? They're built in the backcourt. And they have three or four guys that can build it. And I think that's what the Rockets are kind of going for. And I'm not saying that Kevin Porter, Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, and Asian Knicks are going to be that backcourt that will be good again. But the four of them have not given a reason. That's why I don't see the Rockets going for a point guard. Deshaun Knicks better show us a hell of a lot more next season than well, he here's, this season. I, I, that's what all I, from what I've heard, he was terrible. From what I've heard season. and what I've seen, Mike, here's here's the deal with with Dacia Nix, right? And and this is what I'll say before we move on because I know we've we're kind of like at that point where if we talk a little bit too much more, then we're going to get off off schedule. But Dacia Nix, he right now he's a four A player, right? He is too good for AAA, too good for the G League, not good enough yet for the major leagues. That's fine but he's 19 years old. Like he still has so much time. He's younger than most sure. of the prospects in this draft as well. And on top of that, he's already in the rocket system and the rockets feel a certain way about him. This year will obviously say a lot about where Dacia Nix will go with his rockets career. But for now going into this season, Dacia Nix is going to get minutes and He'll have the chance to prove himself. He is going to have a quick hook, though. I do think that's – but I think waiting one more year to go and get another point guard is is the course of action. That's fair. No, it's totally fair. Um, I, I like the idea of thinking about upgrading the roster in any way possible. And I think a Kennedy Chandler could upgrade this roster based on what I saw from Knicks last year. Now – do you stick with Nixon another year? You look point guard next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's on the table. I think Kennedy Chandler is a name to look out for late first, early second. And honestly, next year, Mike, you might look into a point because the Rockets, if they're going to make a move for 23, 24, they might go and they might just go get a veteran point guard to back up Kevin Porter. I think that might be the plan, but the, I think they're hoping that it will be Dacian Nix because a, he's a lot cheaper, and B, he has a lot more upside than most veterans in the league. But let's let's move on to our next sure. prospect. No, that's that's a good point. All right, so we're going to move on. We have four prospects to cover tonight. The third, I think I'm the highest on this guy of the four that we're covering tonight, Justin Lewis, forward out of Marquette. He's 6'7", he's 235. Um, he's got a, a ridiculous wingspan. He's a sophomore, so he's not a freshman. Um, your thoughts initially on Justin Lewis Marquette? You know, again, same thing with, with Laravia, right? He's got good size, can play multiple positions. That those are the boxes you want to check off, especially at this, at this point, I am not as familiar with his game as I am with, with other prospects. Um, I don't think he, I think he is probably a second round pick at best. But I, I think with, with Lewis, he does check off a lot of those boxes that you need in a guy that's going to be that late first, early second pick. I think the biggest thing, they talk about it in the NFL all the time, you can never have too many defensive linemen. 
I feel like in the NBA in today's day and age, you cannot have enough guys who are 6'6 to 6'9 can guard multiple positions. I think Justin Lewis is a sleeper of this draft. They project him in the early 30s. If I'm the Rockets and there was a team at the end of the first, this is a guy I would trade in back into the first round and go get. 6'7", yep. he improved on his three-point shot tremendously last year but he's known for his defense. This is the type of kid you take if you miss out on a uh, Eason from LSU. And it depends on what you do at number eight. It also depends on what you do at 17. You hope he can be like a Herb Jones kind of guy. For sure. A Herb Jones, um, a more NBA-ready Usman Garuba. I think Garuba's more physical than Justin Lewis, but I think Lewis is more of a guy. Think of a guy that you would put on a Kevin Durant, a guy that you would put on a Jimmy Butler. That's more of a Justin Lewis than a Garuba in my eyes. But yeah, a little I'm, bit a, more I'm athletic, a big Lewis fan. A little bit more exactly. athletic can guard those kind of exactly. guys. Um, yeah, I think I think at this point, because you look at that and you're like, well, why can't that be Jay Sean Tate as well? You know what I'm saying? So it's like that's what, that's what makes things difficult for these players is because the Rockets are a team with a lot of guys that, that they haven't really given up on yet. It's going to be a competition during training camp and summer league, you know, for these minutes. And, and I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of luck that goes into this as well. I think there's a lot of players that less so less so in the NFL, I think the NFL, it's, it's more about luck. But in the NBA, getting in the right position is paramount. You look at a guy like Jalen Smith, right? 10th overall pick, Phoenix Suns. Was good enough to be a top 10 pick, but he ended up on a team that was, you know, the best team in the league last year, or sec- one of the top teams in the league last year, and he wasn't even getting minutes. And you look at that, he's gone by year two. Same thing for a guy like Herb Jones. Gets to a team that has a need for exactly the kind of guy he is. Not a whole lot of competition to get into a lot of minutes. And now he's a starter on a playoff team in his rookie year as a second-round pick. So if Justin Lewis finds himself in the right position at the right time, things can work out for him. But like I said with LaRavia, I just don't know if that's in Houston. I don't, I, yeah. I mean, these guys that we're talking about tonight, we talked about it at the top of the show. Are they potential rockets? If I had to bet money, I would say no, but you also never know that a guy yeah, like, right. a little, and, and that's why we do this. Yeah. A guy like a Ravia, potentially, you just don't know. Maybe he doesn't get drafted. Maybe there's a hick, you know, a hitch in his game that teams don't love and he makes it to that undrafted market. There's always a guy that goes undrafted that people think exactly. Why wasn't drafted. Exactly. Um, that's, and this- I think especially in this class too, because I feel like yeah. with this class in particular, you have your top three or four. Then there's a second tier of about 10, 15, 10 to 12 guys after the top four. And then after that, it's kind of a free for all. Right. This last guy that we're going to talk about uh, tonight, does it make a, a lot of sense for the Rockets? But I still really like his upside. 
Uh, Bryce McGowan's from Nebraska, 6'6", 180. Um, watching his game, think Spencer Dinwiddie. Think Trevor Ariza. Um, I think he's a better scorer than Ariza. Uh, but what are your thoughts on McGowan's? Bryce McGowan's will drop 40 points in a game next season. Ooh. Ooh, I like In it. the G League. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. You got you got me all excited. You almost got me out of my uh, my office chair here. Um, look, 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 look. That that's the thing about Bryce McGowan's. He's he's only played he only played his freshman season at Nebraska, but had a really successful freshman season in 17 points. He's a scorer and he's a three level scorer. He can score at the three long, at the three point line in the mid range and at the bucket. The three-point percentage, though, 27%, that needs to get a lot better, and that's the biggest red flag, in my opinion. I think he does need about right. another year of development. That's why I think he goes to the G League next year, balls out with whichever G League team that he has, maybe gets on a two-way deal or something. I'm not sure exactly what Bryce McGowan's future looks like for the NBA, especially next season. I think he's a G League player for the first part of his career, and if he gets in the right position, can make a step forward. I don't know if Houston's the spot for him. He reminds me a lot of Josh Christopher's game. Um, he's he's a little he's a little taller than um, than Christopher, but I think he has that like hunger, which I really like in him. Which I think so. I honestly think Mike that forty points in a G League game next year, but forty points in an NBA game sometime in his career isn't too far. Isn't too far fetched, in my opinion. I'll tell you where I would love Bryce McGowan's. Uh, well, I would love it because it would be detrimental to the Rockets if the Mavericks took him at twenty six. He's got Dallas Mavericks written all over him. Oh well, I wouldn't like that. I don't know. Why well, no, I'm like saying that. like I'm saying like as a as a prospect, fit, yes, if yes, you will, yes. like a Bryce McGowan's in Dallas makes so much sense because especially because they're about to lose Jalen Brunson. Exactly. I think that's a decent fit. Um, you know, he's, a, he's an upgrade over a Reggie Bullock in that rotation. Like he's a bucket getter. Mm. He's a bucket. Yeah, getter. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I feel like him and Reggie Bullock are are two very different players. Um, so I, in terms of just well, let me scoring, take that back. Yeah, in sense, uh, in the sense of they put but Bullock, like not every player is a scorer. That's and that's the problem with Bryce McGowan's right is that he is a scorer. He's like a pure scorer, but there right. isn't really much else to his game, right? There's not, he's not a super efficient from the three point line. He's not a great defender. So he did grab five rebounds a game last year, though. So yeah. Decent, okay. decent rebounding numbers he's for long. the type of player. He's long. That he, he has is. probably a really good wingspan, which is why the rebounds are coming. But I wouldn't, like, he's not a great defender. That's his knock. That's why he's, you know, more of a, late first second round guy um than he is like a top prospect but like that's that's the sure. hardest part about the guy so his scoring is good but once in, in some regards like that's kind of where the rockets are with with Dacian Nix bringing him back up Dacian Nix is a great scorer but there's not much else to his game yet that and the rockets at this point and every team in the NBA needs players that can do more than one thing Two things. If you got, if you have two 
really, really, really good skills, you can make it in the NBA. And usually those are three and D. If you are a three and D player, you have a career in the NBA. If you are good at like defense and rebounding, that works too. You can make it in the NBA. Mm. And if your three is not as good, that, that still works. You need two really good skills to make it in the NBA. And then those who have more than two really yeah. good skills are usually 10-year NBA vets or stars, in my opinion. No, it's fair. And do I, I don't think McGowan's is a long-term stud in the league. I think he could carve out a nice little niche, though. You know, I think I think he a could score off the bench, score. six man. That's probably his yeah ceiling for me. Yeah, he's got some good athleticism. Um, if you had to pick one of the four guys that we talked about tonight to have the best NBA career, who would you pick? Mm. You know, that's tough because I'd say that Bryce McGowan's probably has the highest upside for me, but Ooh, knowing. Okay where the NBA is going and, and kind of where it is, I'd say – I would say that Jake LaRavia probably has the best career out of the four. Ooh, interesting. I think, okay. I think I like that it. he has enough skills and he's at that right size. Six, I mean, they, look, I mean, so is McGowan. I mean, McGowan's a 6'7", but he's just not as um, – you know, he doesn't have as much weight on him. Jake LaRavia – Pretty sure he's he's like sixty pounds heavier. Yeah, he's two six eight two thirty five. That's probably like your ideal size for a wing. Is is in that range? And look, Justin Lewis is also in that range as well. I believe he's six seven. Um, he's like six seven two hundred something like that two forty five. Oh, excuse me, two forty five. Yeah, so like like those guys are probably going to have better a better outlook in the NBA in terms of making it um, long-term. The only thing is though, is that there's a lot of those guys like, you know, we've only discussed a couple, but what about all the other ones that we're going to discuss? What about the ones in next year's class that supposedly a much better class than this year's. Um, And then you look at like, you know, players that have come in from before last year's class is a historic class. The 2021 NBA draft class, Mike, is going to go down in history as one of our 10 greatest draft classes, in my opinion. Potentially. Possibly yeah, of, I, just, I think it's early. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. It's going to be a – it's an insane – I mean, you have guys like, you know, like Herb Jones in the – with the 35th pick making moves. Uh, you know, you had Brandon Boston, 51, was making moves earlier in the season. Uh, and then, of course, you have the top of the draft. Um, but like Shangun at 16, Josh Christopher, Bones Highland at 26, Cam Thomas. Like there are so yeah. there's so much talent from just last year's class that and look, this year's class doesn't have that same depth that last year's did. But the good thing about where the if you're looking at it from a Rockets perspective, it only takes one lottery ticket to get you to where you need to go. And the Rockets have two, and they have a one that's really good odds. Paolo Boncaro could be the rookie of the year, could be the best player in the draft, or whoever they take at number three will have a great likelihood of being the best player in the draft. 
So thank God yep. this is the right draft to have a top a high pick on because uh, the 10th pick in this draft doesn't necessarily equate to the 10th pick in last year's draft, in my opinion. So we'll see. Yes. Yeah. But I think, I think the Rockets are in good shape. They're going to have a lot of guys to choose from at 17 or whatever they want to do with the pick. Um, and just go for upside. And I think a lot of the guys that we talk about tonight, look, everyone is upside. Everyone's a rookie. But in terms of, like, I think you're getting to a point now. Last year you drafted for just talent. This year you kind of have to look at need a little bit more. And that's why I think uh, you're going to go for size at the wing with this second pick, whichever you go, or a rim protector. Oh, for sure. But I think this is a phenomenal place to park the rocket ship with the NBA Finals getting started here in a few minutes. Thank you all so much for joining us here on Spotify Live. Uh, Jeremy will be back live this weekend for part number two of nine of our 2022 NBA Prospect Breakdown. Promises to have a lot of great insight as always. Uh, Make sure to follow The Dream Take on Twitter at The Dream Take. You can follow the mothership of the Dream Take, the Dream Shake on Twitter at Dream Shake SBN. You can follow my co-pilot Jeremy Brenner on Twitter at. Follow me at Jeremy Brenner and Celtics and four. Do it for Daniel Tice, man. Hey, Celtics and six. Do it for though, for yeah, before we Celtics before we sign up. <laughs> yeah, before we sign up, what's your real NBA prediction? NBA Finals prediction, or are you going Celtics and four? No, I, I, there's no way the, the Warriors get swept. Um, I'm actually really excited about this series. I think it, it's honestly, I think of all the potential matchups we could have had, I don't think there's a better oh. one than this one. I think these two teams are really evenly matched. I'd be shocked if it went four or five. I think it's definitely going six. I'm going to go Warriors in six. I'm going to go Celtics in six. I don't All think right. they have an answer yeah. for Tatum. I don't think they have an I don't think they have an answer for Tatum and Brown. I think you I can stick think, Draymond yeah. on one of them, but I don't think they have the defensive nad, if you will, fun. to guard the other I, one. I'm gonna I'm gonna remember this though, Mike. And okay. I'll pull out the receipts when needed. I got you. You can follow me on Twitter at BSW Podcast underscore MB. Uh, you can follow the Dream Shake on Facebook as well. Search the Dream Shake. And finally, any day that ends in Y, head on over to thedreamshake.com. For all things Houston Rockets, all the time. Thank you all so much for joining tonight's episode. And until next time, go Rockets! Go Celtics. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. (laughs) Pretty wild. 
Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.